ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talk to the Dog Benfica podcast, episode number 323. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira. What's going on, Cristiano? What's up, Alfredo? How you doing, man? Doing great. Also with us tonight, Hugo Ferreira. Hugo, what's happening, my brother? How's it going? Hope everyone's doing well. Doing well. Two games closer to the title. Uh, that's uh, that's how well we're doing, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Before we do, Portimonense recap is what we're looking at, and also we'll look ahead to Riwav, which is a, a very important game that comes up this weekend for Benfica. So let's get uh, right into this uh, Portimonense. A lot of a lot of hype, a lot of a lot of hype, a lot of buzz about this Portimonense game, especially because of the the heavy connections uh, to Porto, and we really thought that they were going to come to start the illusion really park three, four, five buses in front of their goal to try to frustrate us. But uh, they did quite the opposite. Before we get into uh, into the game, though, let me give you the lineup. Nothing surprising here. Vlacodimus in goal. Almeida, Jardel, which came in for the uh, for, for, for uh, Diaz, who was serving one game suspension. Ferro and Grimaldo, Florentino and Samaris, Pizzi, Rafa on the wing, Seferovic and Felix. So, Cristiano, I'll start with you. Were you surprised at all by uh, Portimonense's posture? the way they came out, their attitude in this first half? Well, if you go back to last week's podcast, I call 4 nothing victory, um, and, and I, we did win by four goals. Just want to throw that out there. But, yeah, 100%, Alfredo. I think that they caught Benfica by surprise. We saw Benfica. Uh, there was a lot of nerves. Uh, the youngsters didn't cope with that pressure well. And uh, to their credit, uh, Portimonense came out, and they played well. They created massive opportunities in front of goal. Benfica was was very lucky not to go into the half down by by multiple goals um and so credit to them they played well benfica had one clear chance in the first half Svetovic, i must say Hugo alfredo guys he has to put that opportunity away i think he puts that away benfica breezes to a victory i think it, it alleviates some of the pressure some of the nerves from the youngsters um he squanders that one breakaway that opportunity tries to chip the goalie unfortunately didn't get enough on the on, on the chip um, it was just a, a bad half of football for Benfica that didn't necessarily need to be uh, that nerve-wracking uh, if Benfica, if Sferovic, I should say, put away the one opportunity he had early on. And look, um, starting to watch this game, and, and there was a lot of passes missed, and it, it just seemed like, and, and perhaps a, I could go back to my playing days, and of course I didn't play at the level that uh, you have played, Cristiano, but it's it's one of those things when you're warming up and you're touching the ball and you're, you're hitting passes, you feel that kind of something is is off with you. that, And you could tell right away whether you're on or, or whether you're off. And it just looked from, from watching Benfica's uh, first 15, 20 minutes that everything seemed to be off. There was a lot of passes that were being missed, but but Portimonense, to all their credit, they came out and played the way they were, they've been playing. They stayed true to themselves. Hugo, first half, not a very good half, Abifica. No, not a very good half. In fact, it looked like a little bit of deja vu from eight days earlier in Braga. 
um, with the fact that Benfica that day kind of had an excuse. You're you're away in a hard stadium. Uh, you're playing a, a very good opponent, an opponent who has an ambition earlier on in the season to win the title. Um, and the fact that uh, you throw out a half like that at home against Portimonense, who, to be fair, is one of the better footballing sides in the league. Um, but the fact that you 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 come out and you have a performance like that in that first half, uh, I think Bifica finally showed their age once again. Uh, mainly Ferro and Florentino probably had their worst games as Benfica players since the introduction of them into the first team. Um, <clears throat> and the first half was very shaky. I think that uh, everyone is feeding off of the crowd's enthusiasm, the crowd's... Uh, uh, obviously, Benfica Nation could feel the title this close. And I think that that stuff is passing on to the inexperienced players and, and is really... Uh, getting them nervous uh, before the start of the game. And it's really showing in the way Benfica is coming out, has come out these last two to three weeks. Um, fortunately, again, to Portimonense's uh, uh, credit, they're, they're, very, they're a very good football side. But fortunately for us, they were not able to capitalize on the two or three clear chances that they had in the, in the first half uh, to put themselves up um, because the score could have been ugly at halftime. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Again, at halftime, I was very nervous. Um, and, and I was already like, oh, shoot, is this going to happen again? Um, and, I mean, I'm sure we're, we're going to get into the second half soon. But uh, I was definitely not pleased with that first half. It's just um, unacceptable. And, and, and to Chris's point, yes, if Ferovic puts that or buries that one uh, in the 10th minute and it settles everyone down, and who knows, maybe if he goes on to a more, a more comfortable victory. Uh, but yeah. Luckily for Benfica, their best player in the first half was Enet. Because, <laughs> I mean, the dude was – he had two opportunities, back-to-back -back yeah. opportunities in front of goal, and he was – I mean, he squandered them. I mean, we're very, very lucky that maybe some of the nerves that were affecting the Benfica players affected Portimonense's players because those are, are chances that a professional at that level should at least get on goal, and he did not even do that. I think Benfica was very fortunate. Um, and, and again, Benfica was able to, 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 to go into the second half and even the second half of Fredo, I, I'll let you get into the details, but it, it wasn't good initially as well. Yeah. Dave, uh, couldn't be here with us tonight, but he did send some stats, uh, and just, uh, just for the half, Portimonense had four clear goal scoring opportunities, which they missed compared to Benfica's one, that Seferovic uh, opportunity that you mentioned earlier, Chris. Yeah, that, that, that was it. That was the only thing that Benfica was able to put together. They they had a very difficult time in the first half. And, I mean, look, we've touched it. We touched it already. Hugo did as well. We could sit here all day and point the fingers at youngsters, point the fig fingers at nerves, point the fingers at anxiety. The fact of the matter is that it was not pretty, and Benfica was very fortunate, man, once again, um, that Portimonense uh, wasn't able to put some put, put some of those opportunities away because we'd, I think we'd be sitting here right now, um, you know, with a – Totally different tune had 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 you know some of those opportunities been put away by by Portimonense. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. I was just gonna say Portimonense took advantage of their game plan. If anyone who follows Portimonense, all of their game flows through Pauline and, and Tabata, um, and those two players were absolutely dominant in that first half. Um, I mean, with with performances like that, I mean, you 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 start to raise your eyebrows. At, like, shoot, let's uh, let's let's snap up one or two of these guys because. Uh, what they showed in Luge, not just in the first half, I'd say overall in that game, shows that they are they, 
they you know they deserve maybe maybe higher standards in 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 Portugal for sure. Yeah, I was waiting for Alfredo to touch up on the second half to say exactly that because Alfredo yeah. will recall. I'm not sure you will, Hugo, but Alfredo definitely recall that last year I was touting uh, Tabata. I think Tabata is a really good player. Yeah, uh, there was a rumor of him joining, whether it was Benfica or Porto, whatever it was, but. I believe I saw something regarding Benfica, and I'm surprised that at this point he's still playing at Portimonense. Paulinho is a, is a class player. Obviously, you know, played at football with the Porto. Unfortunately, did not – well, unfortunately for us, I guess, you know, or unfortunately for him, did not uh, – was not able to fit into their schemes, into their system, and, you know, or were shenanigans in these business that, that they do between the two clubs. They weren't able to play. I don't know what the reason was, but he's back at Portimonense. But uh, yeah, I thought they were phenomenal, not just in the first half, but in the second half as well. And uh, those guys, in particular, those two guys, I'm surprised that they're still at a club like Portimonense. And, and let's not forget, this is a club that Benfica lost to in the first half. It happens to be, it just so happened to be Rivitori's last game, 2 0, two on goals. But yep. at the time, they had a, a, a very interesting, fascinating player, T Tanaka, if I'm not mistaken. If, if, uh, Nakajima. Nakajima. Was close. Tanaka Nakajima. <laughs> Tanaka plays for the Yankees. But whatever, you get, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, and he's he's no longer there. And they were very threatening. You could see, you could see how dangerous they were, how well uh, they play going forward. And, and again, that, that was missing one of their key players, arguably the best player, Nakajima, who, who left in the winter break. Yeah, so, so teams come out of the half and, and, and Portimonense kept on what they had done uh, in the first half and they actually got on the scoreboard 53 minutes in. And I think that at that point, that's what woke up Befica, Befica because Befica uh, then came out. Jonas was uh, was brought in for Samaris and uh, Befica really uh, needed to get something going offensively. They probably... Also had to do had to get the ball into the final third with some quality, and they needed the player like uh, like Jonas uh, to to be able to connect the midfield. So Samaris uh, sacrificed, and then you know we just got going. Uh, Rafa 60, 62nd minute, then Rafa again in the 66th minute, and and by that point, I think that uh, the momentum carried the team. We ended up scoring five goals against this Portimonense team, which when you look at the scoreline. Uh, the game wasn't as close as the score line, or, or wasn't as far away uh, from each of the teams as the scoreline indicates. I think that there was a, a lot closer uh, game than the 5-1 scoreline, and I think that it's just uh, it's a little bit uh, unjust for, for Portimonense because they did very well. They came to Stade de Luz, played Benfica eye-to-eye, Benfica is fortunate to, to not come away with this game with a defeat because if you guys recall, not only were the mess the, the misses by them, but also uh Vlakodimus made a couple good, very good close range saves that kept Benfica and the scoreline at zeros uh in that first half. Yeah, look, a couple of things. First of all, Jonas you know, I love Jonas, but I don't think he is what got the team going. I think what got the team going was was Tabata's goal. I think that's what really I think calmed Benfica down a little bit. I think they kind of had to to push through and fight through and and they had to get their composure because they knew at that point, you know, a, a draw, uh, they had to climb a very high mountain just to get a draw, I should say. Now, um, I totally agree with you, Alfredo. I think the scoreline does not really tell you the story of the game. I think the game was nowhere uh, as 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 open or or Benfica played, or you know, anywhere near, um, anywhere near the level that you anticipate a 5-1 result uh, to, to, you know. Uh, so I, I think it was 
totally different than than you know totally different storyline. But I think Jonas comes in and he gives Benfica another outlet. But Tabata with that goal, I thought that at that time myself, everyone in the stadium, kind of like shit their pants. I and thought I, it was <laughs> I thought everyone shit their pants, and I thought that you know again I love Blanco Dimas for his own Benfica, but he he could have done a lot more. I think he he hesitated. He came out and he kind of like stood his ground rather than dive for the ball, make a play on the ball. I thought that he could have done a little bit better, but, uh, you know, just. Yeah, Hugo. No, I was just going to, I was just actually going to add, obviously, look, uh, there's not much to say. You guys have pretty much covered it all. Uh, Portimnes' first goal was actually what woke us up. Everybody knows that. I was going to touch a little bit on the substitution uh, to, to bring in Jonas, which obviously had to be done. I thought initially that uh, the sacrifice player was going to be, um, Oh, go to the name is was going to be Florentino exactly for two reasons. Basically, obviously, we knew the the kid was rattled. The kid was obviously mm-hmm. uh, feeling the pressure, and he also had it. He, he also was on a yellow card. So obviously, knowing that Benfica now was going to have to open up and take chances, the fact that he left Florentino in there, I thought was a bit ballsy because uh, easily he could have uh, picked up a second yellow card uh, potentially on on a, on a counter attack coming away with this with Pauline or Tabata, who are two pacey footballers crafty footballers, and I thought that uh, it was the wrong move at the time. Uh, fortunately for us, it didn't uh, turn into anything, um, but I definitely thought that that Florentin should have been the one sacrificed instead of Tamaris, based off of those two reasons, and I thought that Jetson's introduction into the game... Way too late. Uh, way too late, exactly. Thank you, Chris. Um, I thought that Jetson, uh, because he's able to, to transportar jogo, as we say, um, I thought Jetson had to had to been introduced a little bit earlier, but look, fortunately for us, and and uh, again, what really unlocked the game aside from uh, from Rafa's pace, right? He's lightning quick, but let's face it, it was a, a crucial mistake by their center back, which fortunately for us, we had Speedy Gonzalez on the end of it, and uh, he made a nice little cheeky finish um, over Portimonense's goalkeeper, and then from that moment on, you could feel the crowd. It was almost like that sigh of relief. Um, okay, we got our goal back. We're level again. Level means we're in first place. Our, the title is ours again. Um, and then I think from that moment on, equipa soltos, and uh, and it was really a brilliant 25 minutes or so by Benfica. Um, we were able to pin Portimnes uh, in the back and, and and obviously put a couple more past them. Um, and look, at the end of the day, we were all smiling. Fortunately. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure if I've criticized Bruno Lage's substitutions in prior games. Maybe Alfredo can help me out with that. Uh, if you remember, because I don't remember. Maybe I have. I, I I normally criticize everything, so I probably have. But I, I thought that that substitution to take out Samadis it, it left me scratching my head because of the reasons you just mentioned, Hugo. He was a. It was on a yellow. Um, you could tell he the the, the pressure might have been getting to him. It was not a particularly good game for him, even defensively in his normal game, where he's intercepting plays, he's he's cutting off plays. I I, I didn't think it was a really good game by Florentino by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So the only the only thing that I'll you know that I, I'm yet to question is you know I, that I don't know for sure is maybe. Just maybe you saw Samadis kind of got nicked up in a prior game right towards the end of the game against uh, against Braga. Maybe his ankle was still a little a little tender. Maybe it was still bothering him. So that might have been a reason for him to come out. And then the other substitution, the Jets and Benfica scores to go up, you know, obviously two goals in, within like a couple minutes of each other. And then you could tell 
you could tell Bra uh, Portimonense started getting into the game, Alfredo. They started having a little bit more possession. They started creating some 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 real good opportunities. And I thought that the midfield at that time needed an injection of a player like 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 a, a Jetson. And it took them 13 minutes to make that change. I thought it was way too long. Look, luckily it worked out, but I don't think it had anything to do. And it's unfortunate because I'm not trying to criticize it. Yeah. You should be thrilled. There's you know two games to go and Benfica's in the lead. But I, I thought we hung up, we hung up, we hung onto the lead, not due to anything that we did. I thought it was due to their missed opportunities because if you're playing against a better side with better quality players. Maybe Benfica doesn't get away with those with those chances, and maybe Benfica is looking at a draw, and it's totally there. So I thought I thought Belage waited way too long, and especially especially on that second substitution. Yeah, I get the 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 way too long on the Jets, and then but uh, Jonas, you're down one nothing. You got to put Jonas in, but uh, I do uh, I agree with you guys that I I got a question on the decision to go with Samaris rather than than uh, Florentino. And, and you know, this was a topic that we brought up in our Time Added On video show that uh, that we do once a week uh, about the youngsters getting rattled. And and from what I've seen from Florentino and what he's done so far at Benfica and from the time that I've seen him, he just seems like a very calm and collected player, right, that, that knows where he is at all times, has the presence, but in this game, we saw him make some mistakes, like that mistake at the end line that created one of the chances for Portim Nins. That was just, it was just soft, a sophomore, a rookie mistake for me. Yeah, and look, before before I answer that, just if you haven't heard of uh, Time Added On, do yourselves the favor and check it out. Google it. Uh, Google it on Twitter. YouTube Time, it. YouTube, YouTube it, absolutely. It's really interesting, and I'd love to get your feedback. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So uh, please uh, go ahead and check that out. As far as Florentino, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was the prototypical game that we've gotten accustomed to seeing uh, the youngster so far play in his early career at Benfica. This is a guy that, as I mentioned to you, Alfredo, and I'm pretty sure I brought it up here on the podcast when I first saw him play, and I was and I was surprised as, as, I, you know, as to how composed he was, and he looked like the guy – had been through these battles and it looked like he didn't get rattled pretty easily. And, and, and I told you, I spoke to someone inside Benfica and they told me, look, bro, this is what we, we prep these kids. We, we breed these kids from very young age to, 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 to get to this level. Every single game they play at Benfica is under pressure. So when they get to the main team, I'm not really surprised that they just adjust and move on. Like as if they were, you know, as if they've been involved in, in the first team since day one. And for the first time he showed some cracks in the chink. I think he had a, it, not a real. I mean, the guy had a terrible game, to to, to be brutally honest. Um, didn't do much with the ball at his feet. I, I'm, I, I questioned a lot in this game. Most of his passes are sideways or backwards. It really doesn't do anything going forward. So I'm a, I'm gonna give him a pass due to nerves, due to ginormity of the game. Obviously, playing in front of his, you know sixty thousand fans at the side to lose with so much on the line maybe affected him. These guys are him and Ferro. You're talking about along with with Ruben Diaz and the other guys on the team, but those two they're the youngest guys on the team and uh, youngest meaning time, least amount of time on Benfica because obviously Jota and Juan Felix are younger, but you know what I'm saying. Um, youngest guys on the team with the least amount of time on the main squad. And these guys are diehard Benficaistas. We know these guys have been Benficaistas since day one, and and maybe this is starting to affect them a little bit. 
Yeah, Hugo. Hugo, what's your what's your take on the the young kids and and the pressure down the stretch, seeing the outpour of support, uh, the bus, chegadas ao autocarro, as partidas ao autocarro. Do you think this affects the the young kids? Absolutely, it does. Um, and I think it's a it's a, a job that needs to start during the week leading up to the game. You need to have that psychological um, conversation with them, whether it's somebody in the club that just manages that side uh, of the training um, or whether it's Brun Lodge that brings them in and, and really tries to calm them down. But you could definitely see that the, the as the season comes to, to a close, that um, the bigger the game, the more, I, I would say, the more Florentino, uh, Ferro to a degree. I mean, Ferro, this game was really the first game that I noticed it. And look, guys, we're forgetting one element. Uh, Ruben Diaz wasn't available. Jardel and Ferro was, was the first time that they've ever played together. Um, and they've actually, they actually played out of position. Uh, Ferro played out of position, I should say. So maybe that affected his game as well. Um, but yeah, look, they're definitely feeling the pressure. Um, but it's up to... Like I said, Brunelage and the leaders in that locker room, mainly Jean or Salve, usually the guys that are more experienced, uh, to take these kids under their wing. Uh, because let's face it, let's face it, they're 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 going through this now. It's only going to make them better in the long run, and it's an essential part of their growth as footballers and their growth as Benfica players to to learn to cope with these pressure moments. Because again, when when you're playing for a big club, um, every game needs to needs to be treated almost like a pressure moment. So then, when you are facing must wins. Uh, you're not phased by it at all. Uh, when you are going into uh, ambience with 60, 70, 80,000 people, you're, you're, you know, it's just another day in the park for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we've, before we move on to this game, I just want to throw a couple of stats that they've put here together. It was uh, Rafa Sturd's uh, two-goal game in the league this season, which brings up his total to 15. That's third best in the league, and, and that's a career best. Seferovic scored two more goals, bringing his total to a league-leading 21. Uh, two more ahead of uh, Bruno Fernandes, uh, if, you, if you're looking in to see how that stands right now, uh, is fifth two-goal game in the league this season. And Cristiano, I don't think that Seferovic, beyond his wildest dreams, uh, probably thought that he was going to have the season that he's had so far. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I seriously, he, I seriously doubt he did. Is is new baby mama did? His mama did? I don't think anyone. Uh, I think anyone that tells you they expected this from him back in August would would be absolutely lying. Uh, but nonetheless, he's had a spectacular season. Yes, he does miss too many opportunities, too many chippies that we would appreciate if <laughs> if you'd put him away earlier because he's gonna wind up giving us. A heart attack, just like they did to Pietra uh, when Rafa scored a goal to, to, to tie the game this weekend. He's just, he's just not a natural finisher, and, and it shows. Again, he's because not. for him to bury one or two, he needs to miss 12, 13. I'm surprised he got his wife pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hugo, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll leave you with this. I'll, I'll let you comment on this stat that uh, Benfica, has scored 65 goals in 17 games under Brun Lage. Porto has scored 68, and Sporting has scored 70 in the 32 games they have played this season for the Liga Nosh. Yeah, no, it's a it's a credit to Lage and his style of play. 
look, Lodge, if you remember his first his first couple press conferences when he took over the club, he indicated right away, number one, that he was going to make a tactical change, right, from, from Ruvidori's 4-3-3 system to, to a 4-4-2 system, which he was already playing in, in the B team. Um, so right then and there, he, he indicated that he was going to make a tactical switch. And then if you pay attention, his 4-4-2 is a very offensive 4-4-2 where obviously the, the fullbacks are actively participating um, in play at all times, at all moments. Um, there isn't moments where he, he tells a fullback, hey, you don't have leverage to go up. Um, so automatically that turns that 4-4-2. It's a very offensive 4-4-2. So am I surprised that, look, am I surprised that in 17 games we've scored, uh, what did you say, 63? 65. 65. 65. Yeah, I'm surprised at those numbers. Those numbers, I don't think any of us expected those numbers. But I, I will say this: I definitely expected um, a, a, a drastic difference from the from the Rivitoria, uh, at least from the Rivitoria from the 18-19 season. I definitely expected us to 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 be a lot more offensive under Laje, and obviously, I think we're surpassing our expectations in that front. Yeah, Cristiano, I'll, I'll give you one more and then we'll go from this game. And I don't know if uh, a lot of people noticed this, but when it came time for, for Faisa to be substituted, and this was already past the 90th minute, so an added time, uh, Brun Laj actually was next to Faisa and he was asking the crowd, he was pointing to Faisa and he was asking the crowd to applaud Faisa. And this goes back to Another topic that we discussed last week about Jardel and Faisa being inserted into the lineup with no game rhythm and perhaps them being uh, the guys involved in, in those two uh, debacles, one at Sporting and one at, uh, at Eintracht. But it really tells something about how Laj has a pulse on the fan base and how the fan base feels about certain players. No, I'm not. Look, I think it's more of... Bruno Lage is a player's coach. Bruno Lage does a phenomenal job of motivating, motivating his players, keeping his players ready to go. And at the end of the day, man, when you have a coach that believes in you, that pushes you, that motivates the crap out of you, um, I, I think that that is, that is priceless. And I think he understood that Fasia, you know, hasn't been, you know, hasn't been his, his regular self of late. And I think, Encouraging the fans to clap and stuff like that. I think it has more to do with the player than it had to be with than it had to do with the pulse of the fans, Alfredo. I think it was is more for motivational purposes. And one thing we can never question is his ability to motivate players because we know this guy's been phenomenal in that in that end. I mean, think about it. The guy was able to motivate Adele Tarap to get in shape so much so that the guy's part of his 18 every week. Yeah. No, absolutely, and uh, I agree with well, you. He motivated this guy to be a professional. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you enough about Bruno Lage, I don't know what does. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, moving on, and now we have uh, Riwav will uh, travel up north to play uh, Riwav this Sunday, 8 p.m. local. Riwav currently stands seventh place, 11 wins, nine ties, 12 losses. At home, five wins, six ties, five losses. And, of course, uh, Riwav, uh, uh, aside from uh, not dropping down on a table, they don't really have a lot to play for. Uh, they are already they're too far from the European spots, but sit comfortably uh, in seventh place. Uh, let's not forget that this uh, Riwav uh, team 
which was a, a team in a game that we kind of looked when we looked at the roadmap of what was left for Benfica. We pointed out this to be a, a very hard game. Every time Benfica travels up north, there's always a, a hard game. But now the importance is this game became even more. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say the importance, but the maybe the awareness by Benfica became uh, a little bit more important as Riwav was able to steal two points away from Porto when Porto traveled uh, to uh, to Riwav to to play them uh, just uh, I think a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. So. I don't yep. that, look, Alfred. I don't think it became more important. I think the game was going to be crucial regardless. Benfica needed to go out there. Benfica needed to win the game. Now they have the luxury of actually walking away with a draw and go home against Santa Clara and trying to finish up the title, the title uh, Reconquista at home. I think that's that's the luxury that Benfica had because I, I mean to say that it became more important. I, well, I, more more awareness. I think the team became more. Uh, I think. I think. Aware. I think I think more aware of Riuav's potential, right? Due to the fact that they were able to tie a vocal de Porto at home when they were down two 0 in the first half, and then they came back and and turned things around when no one expected them to do so. When everyone pretty much had packed it in, and and they came back and and, and stole two points from from Football de Porto and through this this title uh, challenge by Football de Porto, you know, threw it up for for grabs. I think. I think they showed everybody that they're a quality club and that they could play against anyone, in particular at home. And so I think Benfica is going to look at this game with a little bit more caution or going to approach it with a little bit more caution. But at the end of the day, Benfica needs to go out there, play their football, come away with you know with the three points no matter what. But at the end of the day, they are afforded the luxury of slipping up. But I hope that Benfica and Bruno Lars does not go into this game with that mentality because we've seen in the past, right, Port of Sporting, uh, Frankfurt, when Benfica goes into a game thinking about a cushion, normally it does not work out well for them. Now the team has to go out and uh, try to win the game from the start. Ooh. I will say this, guys. I, I think what you guys are trying to say is that the alarm bells have sounded, and I couldn't agree uh, with you guys anymore. Um, I will say this, Vila do Conde is traditionally, at, at least for me, and I'm sure you guys will agree, always one of my most feared away games uh, because, number one, Riwav is usually one of those teams that uh, is usually fighting for a European spot. Uh, this year uh, didn't quite turn out as well for them, but they have very good footballers. Look, Quintron is going to be back for that game, right? He'll, he'll, play, he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder uh, because it's against Benfica. Uh, Filipe Augusto as well probably has something to prove to Benfica. Tarantini is always a quality player. Uh, Noon Sanch, who really orchestrated that comeback with that brilliant chip against Porto a couple weeks ago, former Benfica Academy product, uh, will probably want to, want to prove something to Benfica. Um, so look, it's not going to be uh, easy at all. And then when you add, obviously, the, the pressures of the title being on the line, it certainly makes for two ingredients uh, to a very difficult uh, game and then when you throw in the third element of and I don't know if this one has come out yet does anyone know the, the, who the referee is going to be at all yet um, but I'm sure that that's going to be a final card in play by the the manobras off the pitch that we're used to in the Portuguese league yeah so I'm, those I'm, go I'm not, good those three ingredients make it for a very difficult uh, game coming up on Sunday I just hope that uh, Benfica is able to come out um, 
feeling a little bit less pressure. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but I hope that the players can be more relaxed with these two experiences that they just lived the last couple of weeks uh, and can settle into the first half a lot quicker. And hopefully maybe you get an early goal and settle and settle everyone down. Don't, yeah. forget, don't forget they got the kidnapper as well back there in, in the back four, Ruben Smith, uh, <laughs> former sporting right. guy. You know he's going to want to... Uh, to you might, you might kidnap Rafa or something. That's the thing that's scary. Maybe he goes into the hotel room the night before and kidnaps a couple of Benfica players because we know he has a track record of doing that. I can't believe <laughs> a track record. He does. That's I can't believe that Baller and these newspapers give the give this guy the front cover. We're talking about a guy who willingly with a gun kidnap people, force them into their house, and now they're treating this guy as a victim. I mean, it's pathetic what's going on in Portuguese media, on but Sunday, we've all known that Sunday, for a while. Até o macaco lhe vem trazer a pistola. So, uh, yeah, so last 10 matches between uh, Benfica and Rio Ave, seven wins for Benfica, one draw, two losses. Last season, Benfica drew 1-1 at Rio Ave and lost 3-2 for the Taça de Portugal. Uh, so, it, you know, Rio Ave has not lost in the last four games, three wins uh, and one draw against uh, Porto. The wins were against Guimarães, Bolonenses and Moreirense, and all these teams, obviously good mid-table teams, especially Guimarães and, and Moreirense, and Bolonenses had been doing well. Daniel Ramos took over this club back in January when the club was in 11th place. And, Quality coach. Right? Yeah, and as it, as it sits right now, they're very... Uh, they're in seventh place and, and very relaxed. Uh, I mean, they're they're probably playing their, their best football right now. I think after they clinched uh, uh, Permanencia or or clinched a comfortable place, they're they're definitely uh, playing uh, a lot better. Cristiano, your feelings about this game? Uh, bah, let me see, man. I think it's going to start off like we've seen the last couple of games. Don't tell me that, Chris. Come on. Yeah, it's gonna start off. Come on, Chris. But I think I think Benfica would you know take them 15, 20 minutes to get their feet on the ground. But then after that, because everyone is is anticipating such a tough match, I, I think it's gonna be a cakewalk in the park for Benfica. Um, so I, I have I have hope and and I believe uh, have faith uh, that Benfica could come over with the three points and everybody could pretty much. Uh, you know, start planning uh, for the trip away to start to lose the following weekend. Yeah. Hugo, with uh, Jardel uh, obviously being uh, being healthy and now making his first start since uh, February, uh, do you think he sits uh, Ferro? Not a chance, Alfred. Not a chance. Um, Ruben Dias will be back in the lineup. Jardel will be sitting. Um, Lange would be foolish to do that. Obviously, there's chemistry between uh, Ruben Dias and, and Ferro. And let's face it, they are our best uh, center-back tandem at the moment. Um, so I don't think that there's any chance that uh, that Jardel stays in the lineup. I don't think there's going to be any lineup changes aside from Ruben Diaz's return. Um, and look, I hope Chris is right that uh, it'll be a bit of a, a more relaxed uh, uh, result, at least early on. But I anticipate, um, like I said, with the previous factors that I mentioned, um, I anticipate Benfica you know, it's going to have another, another hard game. We're going to have to deal with another hard game. Um, and, and, uh, hopefully at the end we can get the result, but let's not forget there's Vaya Mala on the line again. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be a, f there's going guys, you got to think one, there's Bro, going to be it's illegal, it's illegal to say Mala. 
Don't you listen to Paulo Futre? He said it's illegal. Oh, Can't okay. stay Malo. It's got donatives, donations. Paulo Futre is actually the one who, who yes. said that that should be legal. And he can't talk about it no more because the police said they'll charge him because he's he's involved in cigar. So it's called donations. <laughs> no doubt in my mind, there'll be some donations on the line uh, for Huav. For um, monks. And, uh, and uh, some fireworks, I'm sure, outside the Benfica Hotel. There's going to be those, those, those manobras off the pitch for one final time. It's a traditional, difficult away game, and I, I think these guys are going to be seeing it as almost the final straw to, to try to to take yeah. this from Benfica. So we just have to be cautious of that um, and get a result. I hope it's another game like the previous one that we just played at the start of the lose. Obviously, not just a scoreline, but a, go a game with no refereeing controversies, clean game. I hope I, that that's what I fear. So I, I read earlier. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen. I read earlier that uh, George Schoes is slotted for this one. I don't know how accurate. Those that's, that's what I read also. Um, so if it's George Schoes, that leaves me a bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, he is one of our better refs to to give the guy credit. But I mean, there is that, that those Porto ties that one can't hide away from. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt that this is the final opportunity that will Porto that Porto will have to make some kind of a background impact if you will or or influence this game in one way or another this is the last chance for Porto because i don't think they're going to be able to do anything at the last game with uh with Santa Clara at Stade Luz especially because Santa Clara there's also some ties to Benfica and, and i'm not saying that they're going to lay down and they're going to give Benfica the result But I think that Porto probably sees this game, especially up north, as the last opportunity that they have to be able to influence, uh, if you will, the, the result or the outcome or even the circumstances uh, before the game. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, let's see. Let's just hope to, to Chris's point. Let's just hope it's a clean game, whatever the outcome is. Um, and again, uh, as you guys alluded to earlier, we have a cushion that we can walk away with a point um, and bring this thing back home uh, to seal it at home. And I think that's massive. That that should relax. The, the thing with that, that's been frustrating me a little bit is that should be relaxing the players. Um, and it's almost like it's uh, it's it's making them even more nervous, which is a yeah. bit of a surprise for me. They definitely have shown more nervousness since they've gone up the two-point cushion than they were when they were just having to to win every game because they were tied up and this is the game this is the the jornada that porto plays ahead right yes yeah Porto. so here check this one out guys porto plays obviously not only do they play before benfica but nacional could already be going into that game uh relegated because the league scheduled the chaves game Three hours before the Nacional Porto game, so if Chaves wins that game, automatically relegates Nacional, which is again another major uh, gap. Guys, 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 who cares about that? Listen, I don't give a crap about that. At the end of the day, oh, they. Chris, that, that uh, uh, you go, you go, you go. It, that influences heavily doesn't influence Nacional, nothing. Listen, Nacional right now, Nacional doesn't control their own destiny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know that only two wins would give them a chance to stay in the Primera Liga, right? No, I don't care. Benfica, Benfica has to do their business. 
Benfica has to do their business, handle their business. That's it. I don't give a shit about if Benfica go out there, handle their freaking business, win this game in 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 in, in Rio. I was gonna say Montreal. If they win their game over there, Alfredo, it's all that matter. I don't give a crap when I see now that Porto can win the game a hundred to zero. If Benfica get the three points away, three I don't give a shit what Porto does right now. Benfica's destiny is solely, solely. In their hands. You're 100% right. Regardless of what Porto does or what does, what does. Right. The, what I'm talking about is that hurts the integrity of the competition. I don't care. We all know the integrity of competition in Portugal has been questionable it's been, and it's been fractured since 1983. Okay? End of story. <laughs> <laughs> Pinta Costa has been president of that club. And even before that, the, 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 the sports truth in Portugal was already in question when this guy was the Vox guy. Yeah, Mike Tyson, uh, corner guy, back, back, back. That's that one, my friend. We're all in agreement, agreements there. Okay, then. So, yep. at the end of the day, I don't care about shops. I don't care about Porto. Yes, would you like the integrity to be there? But who's to say that Bra that, that Nacional would play any better, play any worse? Who cares? At the end of the day, Benfica has to handle their business. Benfica wins this game. It's a wrap. 100%. 100%. But, again, I was, I was, I was leaning more towards the integrity of the competition. But, yeah. No, I, look, I, I get it. Uh, so Benfica has announced that the Santa Clara game, which game is the final, the, the last game of the season, uh, is is sold out. Uh, no more tickets. They it was sold out, or they say it was only for the sausages with the rip. Well, I think they already said that already it's sold, sold out. out. Oh, it is. I didn't see. Okay. Yeah, but they were given priority to the the sausages and and red pass. Uh, obviously, if red pass. If you have a red pass, your your tickets are already confirmed because you've already paid for that ticket with your red pass subscription. Uh, but the rest of the tickets were available for sausages only and sausages not with a component. So you can only buy one ticket for as as far as I could tell, on one ticket per sausage. I have a problem with that. I know I, somebody hit us up on Twitter, and I know there was difference of opinion some people are okay with it and i see memes and jokes going on about being saucy and it pays to be saucy on twitter but look i, I think I, I i think that benfica needs to think global benfica is not just a portuguese club and i do feel bad for the people coming outside from outside of portugal that aren't necessarily saucy yes they can make themselves saucy but in time to get tickets not a chance so I, I do think that Benfica, look, they're trying to take care of their own, but there are many fans outside of Portugal that, that are their own, just like everybody else. And I think Benfica should do a better job of representing those people as well, because it's a damn shame for people who have bought plane tickets and, you know, they spend more on a plane ticket than, 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 than certain people spend on 10 red passes for a full season. So Absolutely. I think they should give those people a little bit of consideration and, and think more about those people that are putting a lot on the line to make it to a game like that. And I get it. Look, if tickets are sold out, they're sold out. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, guys. Look, I agree with that, but it, I don't know why it's catching people off guard. It's been done every year in a title-clinching game ever since I can remember. Um, so I don't know why this year it's such a debate. I will say this, though. What I am a little bit surprised about is – Again, there's been no date or time release for the final jornada. That's the um, thing I have a problem with. That's what I have a problem with, exactly. That uh, this this game doesn't even have a date and time confirmed, and 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 the venue is already sold out, and we still have to go to Vila do Conde. Uh, that's where I'm a little, eh, I'm, I'm not really liking uh, what's going on here, mainly because of that, uh, and a little bit less with the whole sausage polemica, because let's face it, listen, um, 
Sausage alone could sell out Stade de Luz every weekend. Um, you know? So, so, so and Saucy, look, in all fairness, Saucy's, if you're a Saucy, you should have your perks, right? So you should have your, your advantages because if you're paying, you're paying your quota every month and you're in, you're in line, you should have priority over un Zeningain that just wants to see a title game that hasn't cared about Benfica all season, but now it's a title game and the event to be at and he wants to buy tickets. So I get the fact that. No, I, I get it too, Alfred. I'm, I'm, and I, and I understand that. Uh, the thinking behind that idea, I understand it 100%, Alfredo, but my problem with it is, look, Hugo said that it's been done before. My problem with it is you should have announced that a while back. Don't announce it, you know, a week and a half before when people have purchased tickets already for a month in advance. I think Benfica could have done a better job of communicating with their masses throughout the globe, not just the people in Portugal. Um, and and I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, if you're paying your quotas, if you're paying, you know, you're, you're a sauce, you, you should have a perk over a guy who's not. I get it. I'm not disputing that 100%. Yeah. But well, what I'm saying is you should have more consideration for people. That's all I'm saying. People can always acquire a ticket in the, in the secondary uh, market as well, even though I don't think many sausages aren't going to yeah. the red pass. I don't think it's going to pass up this game, but uh, – you know, there always is that chance. But Hugo, but what consideration does that show for the fan that's not in Portugal? Again, Chris, like I alluded to a minute ago, uh, it's been done every title. Fine, fine. Leave. Why not communicate so anyone, that with the message? Anyone who's booked plane tickets and stuff like that, really, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but they didn't really do their, their, their research and they weren't paying attention in previous years. That's that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, final game of the season, title on the line. It's always going to go to Sausage first and foremost, and it's never going to leak to the general public. This isn't anything new. You know, look, no doubt that there's going to be some group sales, right? So there's there's going to be agencies, as we've seen. A, you, you probably go on the Luz American today, and you'll probably see a package deal with airfare and, and ticket to the game by some agency. And there's group sales going on. But I think that, yeah, uh, look, everybody wants to be at the game. Some people are going to be left out. The biggest problem I have is the way the legal the league schedules these games and their lack of of lead time and announcing when these games are going to be played what day uh, at what time i think that's my biggest problem there's always going to be problems for a title game that everybody wants to be at yeah and, and there's only one 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 entity to blame there and that's sport tv because they manipulate all the games in portugal they're the ones who who dictate at what time club a plays club b plays um, even though in the final jornada, that doesn't come into play because, as you guys know, everyone will be playing at the same time. The 18 yeah. clubs will be, will be squaring off at the same time. But um, Sport TV is really the one. They, they run Portuguese football. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I got. I don't know if you guys uh, had anything else. Cristiano? <laughs> no, no, that's it. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Hugo? No, I, I don't have anything on my end. Um just uh, just rumo That's all I can say at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, that's all we got uh, this week. Uh, we're coming a day late this weekend, this week. So I apologize for that. That's on me. But uh, next week we'll be back on our regular uh, day, Tuesday night. We will uh, break up, uh, we'll recap the Riwav game and we'll look ahead to the final 
match of the season against Santa, Santa Clara at Stade Luz. So, uh, my name is Alfredo. Cristiano and Hugo have been here with me. You've been listening to the Benfica Podcast. Don't forget to check us out over at uh, on social media. BenficaPodcast.com is where you can find our pay, uh, webpage and all of our episodes. At 10CO10 is where uh, you can find Cristiano on Twitter. Hugo, I still haven't memorized yours. Hoofer underscore 10. Hoofer underscore 10. Yes, I'll remember that for next time. And uh, that's it. Thanks a lot for checking us out. See you again next week. See everybody.